Hello and welcome to View from the Ninian. I'm Scott Salter and today we're going to be looking at two games this week. Obviously on Tuesday, Cardiff City lost 3-1 to West Ham United away. Joe Rawls missed a penalty in the first half, a real crucial turning point in the game. From then, you can see the City heads dropped and West Ham scored three goals before a late Josh Murphy consolation goal for Cardiff City. Saturday, we're back at home. We look forward to the match against Southampton. Uh, to get the Southampton view, I spoke to Freddie from the Ugly Inside, a Southampton podcast, YouTube channel, and former fanzine which started over 30 years ago. Obviously, Southampton, not a very good season so far. Mark Hughes is gone. Ralph Hassenhutel is through the door, the former Leipzig manager. It'll be his first game for the club this weekend at the Cardiff City Stadium. And I look forward to that, first of all, with Mr. View from the Union himself, Ben James. Enjoy. Mr. Ben James, hello. Hello, how's it going? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Good. Just still recovering from West Ham. <laughs> yes. A few questions on West Ham, but there's one thing that I want to uh, pick up with you before we go on to that. Go on. December 2nd, Callum yeah. Patterson, double foots. Two foot tackles, Junior Hurlitz goal into the back of the net. Yeah. You, you tweet, if this reaches 1,000 likes, I'll get a bottle of MD 2020 tatted on me. Yeah. yeah. It reached um, 1,000 likes. It reached, I think, almost 1,200 likes, which is un, unheard of for me, really. Um, which is why I said it, because I just thought it wouldn't happen. I think <laughs> my previous best tweet was another Callum Patterson tweet. It was about 400 likes. I thought... It'll tap out about 400, but then uh, a certain Mr. Callum Patterson retweeted it himself. Um, so I think he he owes me now, really. He owes me. He should at least pay, pay for it. At least pay for the tattoo and at least sign it or something. Yeah. Um, so I can have that tattooed on me as well. But yes, I will be following through with the tattoo. I don't know when, but I will be doing it. Amazing. I mean, I guess we've learned two things. One, that Callum Patterson owes you. And two, yeah. that your niche content is Callum Patterson. It really is. I think over the weekend I had a couple of tweets related to that goal that got uh, 300 likes and then that one that got 1,200 likes. My one of him drinking a bottle of MD 2020 back when we got promoted got 400-odd likes. Um, I think everyone just really likes Callum Patterson. I don't even think it's anything to do with me. I think it's just Callum himself. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you mentioned um, recovered from the West Ham game. You were there. Um, yeah. Let us know. What, what did you think? What were your thoughts? How do you think we did? It was a real shame because I think West Ham started really well. They had a good 20 minutes at the start, but we kind of contained them, held our own, and then we started coming back into the game. And we got a penalty at a pivotal moment, and I think the whole game turned on that penalty. I think mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to put the blame squarely on Joe Ryle's shoulders, but it was a poor penalty. Yeah, it just you know he didn't put it far enough in the corner. He didn't get enough power behind it, and Fabianski had an easy save. And I think at that point, a lot of the players' heads dropped. Because I think we we were never going to get many clear-cut opportunities against West Ham because they are a good side. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they're a relatively good defensive side. And when presented with, in essence, a, a free shot like that, that you would score nine times out of ten, I think the players realised then it's going to be an uphill struggle. And then the second half, I think West Ham came out and had 15 minutes at the start of the second half where they scored a couple of goals, tore us apart a little bit, and then it was no going back, really. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, that penalty miss... Uh, dropped up morale for us, but really boosted it for West Ham. Um, because I think 
I don't think they were playing particularly well at that point. I think their fans would have got on their back a little bit because it had almost been typical of them that they would be have a good start and then concede a goal like that. Yeah. And we had then kind of come back into the game. And, I, you know, I think Etheridge made two or three really good saves throughout the game. We were relatively solid at the back until Perez came on. And I think we would have been in the ascendancy. But instead, our heads dropped. West Ham's got their tails up and the rest is history. Yeah, and I think it, it reaffirmed, and we've seen it on so many occasions so far this season, that you yeah. really do have to take the chances that you get because you miss a chance, especially a great chance like a penalty, and it only takes one chance for teams of these qualities to, to score and to punish you. Exactly, and I think you know we saw it against. I try and think, you know, Burnley for example. Burnley had what two chances all game, and they scored them both. And I think Burnley aren't even a particularly good side. I think mm. it's just everything. You know, in in these moments, you need to take those chances. And in this season, like you say, the the margins are so fine. Whether it's you're slightly offside, slightly onside, or you you know a shot hits the post and bounces one way or the other, uh, in games like this, it, it's always going to go against us. And that's what happened against West Ham. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, we're into December now. Looking back in November, it was two wins, two losses. We scored as many goals as we conceded. Um, a very well, average month. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, we had quite an interesting discussion, didn't we, on the sort of view from the Indian team chat today, reflecting on the season so far. And I think we were all in agreement that you can't really complain, you know, considering the money we spent, the quality yeah. of our squad, and the expectations. We're not going to doing that standing. It is, and it's it's a really odd one as well because I think that we probably have cause to be a little bit disappointed that we're not higher up the table. I think the games against Burnley, Huddersfield, Newcastle, even to an extent the Arsenal game where we were, you know, we clawed them back a couple of times and still let them win. There's points there that we've dropped, and I think that's where the disappointment lies for me. That in reality, yes, we're we're keeping our head above the parapet. We're we're not in the relegation zone despite only spending I think thirty million in the summer compared to Fulham and Wolves. Mass amounts of money. Even Huddersfield spent sixty million, and we're fighting, and we're still, you know, we're clear of the relegation zone at the moment, albeit by a couple of points. And you know, we could be dragged in at any time. But I think everyone's expecting us to be probably twentieth at this point on about four or five points. So yeah, I can't, I can't look at this season and say that I'm disappointed, and especially on the back of the Wolves' performance. I think the Wolves' performance is probably one of our best halves of this season, where we completely suffocated them, mm-hmm. and that shows that if we play like that, we're gonna be a match for you know a lot of teams in this division because Wolves have got good players there's no doubt that Ruben Neves and Jao Moutinho are good players that would walk into many sides in this division and we we outplayed them and, and suffocated them yeah and what I mean you said obviously we're outside the relegation zone and and that's obviously unexpected but I think not only does that boost morale amongst obviously the fans and the faith and the players but it sends a message to to the owners of Vincent Tan and the board about if this is what we can do with limited funds. Yeah. Imagine think, if you gave us money, or more money to spend. Exactly. And I think, I think that's what's going to change now, isn't it? The attitude within the club. And I think at the start of the season and maybe two or three games in when things weren't necessarily going as well, like on, off the back of the Man City game, I reckon the owners would have probably looked at that and gone, well, we're not going to be out of the relegation zone. So there's probably no point us spending in January because that money's just going to go down the drain for limited return. But now we're in a position where a bit more cash being spent, you know, instead of signing a five million or a ten million pound striker, we sign a fifteen million pound or a twenty million pound striker. That's going to have more of an impact on the team and more an investment in the future. Because obviously, if we stay up, if the money goes in in January and we stay up, then that's a return on their investment. And I think there's a, there's probably a, a shift in the attitude within the club now that would probably mean that we are going to spend a bit more in January than we all normally would have because we are competitive, like you say. 
we are fighting against the teams around us who have got that spending power and we haven't spent that much so far. Yeah, one area we have struggled in um, is away from home. You know, we're still yeah. without without a, a win. I think we scored two goals now, is it? Um, with with sort of Tuesday night's goal and we've picked up just a single point. Obviously, if you're going to survive in the Premier League, home form is, is really yeah. important, but we've got to start picking up some more points on the road, haven't we? Yeah, we do. And I think that's where my frustration with this season lies. I think when you look at... The, so, obviously, we've gone Brighton, Everton... Wolves and West Ham. And I think the, the, the key difference has been is in the home games, we're, we're much more positive, we're much more forward-thinking, we kind of play a set way. And then when we go away from home against Everton, I was baffled to see Harry Arter on the left wing. I you know, yeah. trust yeah. Warnock to an extent, but I, I don't see why Harry Arter would be playing on the left wing. And then against West Ham, from Friday's performance, we were so willing to kind of suffocate their midfielders and get onto those players, double up and that kind of thing. And against West Ham, we just didn't do that. We were very lax. And I think that's where my frustration is, really, that I think in this division, we don't really, we don't really need to go away from home and change the way we play. I'd like, us, I'd like to see us maintain the performance. Like, I would like to have seen us play the same way we played against Wolves, against West Ham on Tuesday. Because, let's be honest, the chances are we're going to lose anyway. But I'd like to see us do it in a positive manner. I'd like to see us try and do something with it rather than just yeah. kind of rolling over a little bit, which is... You know, as much as we did improve in the first half, the second half, we did just roll over to West Ham. And I think if we'd taken some of the best parts of our performance against Wolves, the fact that Bamber and Morrison were very strong at the back in the second half, the fact that we did tighten up their midfield and not let Neves and Matinho have time on the ball, and we completely, you know, outplayed their their um, strikers as well. They didn't really get involved in the game, Raul Jimenez, who then went and scored against Chelsea last night, which says a lot for the work that Morrison and, Man- and um, Bamber did. And I'd just like us to see us take those positives from the home performance into an away game. Because, you know, if we lose then, and we've at least tried, then I think a lot of fans would go home happier. Yeah, what I find slightly um, odd, like I said, in Warnock we trust, but against the, you know, so-called top six at home to Arsenal, Man City, away to Chelsea, Warnock really set the team out to to attack and, and go after the opposition. Yeah. So it's, it's slightly odd to me why, why against lesser teams we're not adopting yeah. that tactic as well because surely it could have more of an impact and, and be more successful against the worst sides well exactly and I think it, that, that's the thing that just confuses me really that we seem to have this mentality away from home that there's almost no point doing anything because we're going to lose the game anyway and I think that's the that's the annoyance for me really that I just think there's we should just be a bit more positive because we're doing well at home and I think you know we've got coming up we're obviously Southampton this weekend which we'll talk about um, and then Man United at home. And I think both of those games are relatively winnable in the form that those teams are in. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in between that, we then go to Watford um, as well. And I think it's what Palace on Boxing Day. Again, both of those games are probably winnable if we play in a certain way. And I just think we need to set our stall out for these four games by playing in the same manner for each game rather than chopping and changing between home and away. Because I think, it, I, I, would just, I think most fans would just like to see that. Yeah, so obviously Southampton next at home. Um, We've got that in our favour. They're at home and we know the atmosphere will mm-hmm. be outstanding. Southampton struggling this year again. One win from 15. Um, but obviously in the last week, the landscape has changed and it's gone um, you know, from what, what would be a quite predictable Mark Hughes team and one that you know, we, we would all be quite comfortable saying that we could definitely get three points from the game to um, Hassan Hootel. I think the manager's come in now and it's going to be his first game. and We don't really know what to expect. No, absolutely not. And I think it's 
it's one of those things when a new manager comes in, it's, it's always going to be dangerous territory, right? Because a new manager coming in could immediately have an impact in terms of his new ideas and a new confidence amongst the team. And I think that's the worry really, isn't it? That this, yeah. this guy's going to come in overnight. He's going to get their, their tails up, get their confidence going, play a nice football. Um, but I just, I don't know how long he's going to have had with the team before today's game, uh, Saturday's game, sorry, because he, I don't think he, he wasn't in charge last night, was he? I think Kelvin Davis yeah. was in charge yeah. last night. Which means, in reality, he's got one game to base his opinions on, and maybe one or one of days, one and a half days in training to kind of get his team playing like he wants them to. So, my hope is that on Saturday they kind of they're still you know, finding their feet with the new manager, and they're still struggling, and we just take advantage of that because, you know, against Wolves we were good defensively and we were good in the midfield, and that's the basis for a good victory. And I think Southampton have got good players amongst their ranks. People like Danny Ings, people like um, if James Ward-Prowse is playing, I've always been impressed with him. Mm-hmm. And they can score goals, but I just think we just need to play our game and keep the, you know, keep the way we're playing against Brighton and Wolves. Because even if Southampton turn it around overnight, they're not going to be any better than those two, are they? No, no. well, I can't ex- imagine it. Um, I spoke to a Southampton fan on, on Tuesday, which, which is coming up a little bit later in the, in the pod, and they're really excited by this Hassan Hootel, you know, the former yeah. Leipzig boss who he, he took them to second and then he decided to terminate his contract um, early rather than sort of be sacked, which I think is, is quite telling that a, a club like Leipzig, who are obviously um, developing and becoming more and more of a powerhouse in German football, wanted to keep him. Is nicknamed the Alpen Klopp due to his attacking football. So it'd be interesting to see how they line up. But like you said, they've only got a day, day and a half max because no yeah. doubt they would have travelled down to Cardiff today, uh, tomorrow, sorry. Yeah, which takes out the whole day of training. Therefore, they, they probably only really have today and maybe he took over yesterday for a little bit. I don't know. But I also, I just wonder like, how, you know, and this is, this is probably me just being a bit... Um, I don't know, arrogant maybe, but how good can he be if you know if he was at Leipzig and if he was that impressive? Surely another another club would have taken a chance on him in the meantime. But apparently that hasn't happened, and he's ended up at Southampton. And I wonder how he'll cope under the pressure of a, a team facing relegation when they probably shouldn't be after um, a year, you know, a year and a half of Mark Hughes's turgid football. Um, I just wonder how 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 impactful he'll be right off the bat. Yeah, and I suppose looking at, at Leipzig as well, he was there, he took them into the Bundesliga and it was very much a squad that he had he had shaped yeah. and going into a Southampton squad, which apart from, you know, a few standout players, like you said, Dan Yings and Redmond, Bertrand and perhaps Hoiberg, the quality on the squad isn't great. No. Um, and I just think I think, you know, he's he's got good pedigree and I think but I d I just don't know how much that counts for really, especially in a you know, I always kind of was a bit how good, you know, how different is the Premier League really? But when someone like Pep Guardiola comes over and in his first season does struggle, I think it does show you that there is a difference between what goes on in the Premier League and what goes on on the continent. Yeah, and I suppose coming into to Cardiff away against Neil Warnock and, you know, we're, we're yeah. all realistic. We know that, that we're a physical side, that we play direct football. Well, I'm sure we both agree that, that we don't get the credit that we deserve a lot of the time. No. But, but that is a difficult game to come into, and it might be a bit of a an eye opener for this Hassan Hootel of, of what sort of British football is really about. Yeah, exactly. And I think when you look at when you look at the the Bundesliga and the, the players that are out there, there's no one really who's doing attritional football like we do. And I think, like you say, you know, we don't get the credit we deserve because we do play some good football and we do do the right things and we do do good things. But ultimately, we're slinging balls into the box a lot of the time, hoping to get Patson on the end of them. 
And I just wonder how, you know, his, yes, he can be very attacking and all that kind of thing, but how your defence is going to cope with that kind of relentless pressure. And hopefully it will tell in our favour. Yeah, so obviously um, on Tuesday night, it was Josh Murphy was left on the bench. Mm -hmm. Um, He's got to come back in here for this home game. Do you think Warnock was saving him for this or...? I don't know really because I I I think I wonder what why you know I wonder how wait I'll start this again I wonder <laughs> if Warnock because I don't really know what I'm trying to say here let me start again the last couple of times that Murphy started he kind of struggled to get into the game a little bit um, I think the the Brighton game in particular I think Harris kind of overshadowed him a little bit. Yeah. And I wonder yeah. if Murphy's confidence has taken a bit of a knock. You know, he, he'd stopped scoring. He hadn't scored in a couple. He was not really getting into the game. And, and I, I wonder if there was something going on where he was just lacking a bit of confidence and Warnock took him out of the team. Um, I think he needs to come back in because we don't really have a creative spark on the pitch. Um, we certainly didn't when we started against West Ham and we certainly didn't when we started against Everton because um, we put Arthur on the left and Kadeem Harris played. But the way we played didn't really play into his favour. I think Murphy has to come back in, especially if we're going to continue playing Patterson in the middle, because we need someone to get down the line and get crosses in. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it might and be I, something that with, with Murphy and that, you know, very early on in the season, he excited fans and he did look like the only player, particularly yeah. when we were sort of starting Zahor and um, you know, Reed was in and out of the side. Murphy looked like the only player that would threat, make, be a threat to the opposition goal. And perhaps that pressure has got a little bit too much. Yeah. Too much And I think, you know, when Kadeem Harris played against Brighton, there was kind of like, it was almost like, oh, wow, we've got this fresh new face who we haven't seen it before. Yeah. And I wonder if Murphy looked at it and was a bit like, oh, maybe I need to do more of that or maybe I'm, I'm not playing as well as I could. And that's kind of knocked him down a little bit. But, he, you know, he's really got to step up now because obviously Nathaniel Mendes-Lang's coming back in. Bobby Reid, I think, played well when he came on against Wolves and I think was unfairly dropped um, quite quickly after the Fulham game because I think he looks like he does look a threat and I think now we've got options up there in terms of Harris, um, Mendes Lang, Reed, and Murphy. Murphy really is going to have to come in and, and put in a good performance to kind of cement his place there really because there's there's three players there who are, who are knocking on the door. Yeah obviously we expect Callum Patterson to, to continue up front. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned in the chat earlier that you think actually in the last couple of games he's, he's not been as effective up top to, yeah. Do we keep the faith, do you think? Or is it time for Zahor or, you know, God forbid, Medin to come in? I think we keep the faith for one more game. I think, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on, on the main man who led me to getting a tattoo on my leg. Um, <laughs> but I just think against Wolves, Bolly was dominant and kind of bullied him a little bit. And I think against West Ham, I don't know whether it was him or whether it was just the way we played. I, don't, I just don't think he really got in the game. And I think he did, he did go off injured later on. I think it was all precautionary. I think he deserves to start again because I think against Southampton, they don't have a particularly big defence um, in terms of people like Yoshida um, and, and uh, Ryan Bertrand. Then neither of them are particularly tall. And I think he just needs to be a bit more um, clever in the way he plays. I think against Wolves, you could see that he was getting no joy from Bolly. And instead of trying to move off Bolly and move on to kind of someone, you know, like the right back or moving on to the other centre half. He kind of just traipsed around with Bolly. And I think that just, that comes from him being not a natural striker. If you were a target man who had a bit more um, of a natural striker's ability, and that's, you know, I don't want to see, see that as a slight on Callum Patterson. He's done immensely well as a striker, even though he's a right back. Um, it's just that kind of cuteness that, that comes with the experience of being a regular target man. And I think he just needs to learn that really. And I think Maybe against Southampton, against a team who are kind of on their heels a little bit and a bit down, you'll have a bit more joy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, there's, I mean, Gary Medine didn't even come on against West Ham. We ended up playing with Nathaniel Mendes Lang as target man, which I think says a lot for, for Gary Medine's career at Cardiff. Yes, yeah. One thing that will be interesting, I suppose, is going into well, this is our first match in December. We've got five matches in December. You know, famously busy, mm-hmm. busy time of the football calendar. We've not got the biggest squad, I suppose, or or, or the biggest depth in in the squad. Um, but they're going to have to come in, into play, aren't they? They are, yeah. And I think I don't know if Ward was on the bench on Tuesday. I missed the. I got into the ground too late to miss the lineups. Um, but I would expect to see Ward maybe get a go. Because he did look good in the games he played, and I think you know he, he got injured, and it was a bit unfair on him really because he probably was in the ascendancy at that point. Um, I, I think Zahor is probably a game or two from coming back, the way Warnock's talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I'd like to see what Zahor does because I think I do think he was unfairly kind of scapegoated earlier in the season. I, he didn't play incredibly well, but I think in the last game he played, he put in some nice runs, was getting into the channels, and I think he deserves a go because you know, like we saw times last year he's unplayable on his day yeah. and I think if you can play him in the right way which is balls over the top to him or balls to his feet I don't think he's a target man as much as he's a big lad I don't think a tall man makes a target man I think I'd like to see him almost play alongside someone like Patterson or someone bringing him into the game so we see the real Zahor yeah I guess Cardiff fans biggest criticism of Zahor is that he's lazy that's what they say what a lot of people say isn't it particularly yeah. Um, when you see someone like Patterson up front or Danny Ward pressing the opposition back line, and, and that's not something that Zahor does as much. But like I said, perhaps playing with someone like Patterson or Ward or even Bobby Reid, who will do that pressing, will allow him to concentrate on perhaps what he's good at. Yeah, and I think it's. I know in the Premier League we probably can't have luxury players, but I think if Zahor was in form, the conversation would, be, would have a completely different tone to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think people would look at it and say, yeah, he doesn't do as much running, but he scores the goals or he brings the others into play like he should. Yeah, he'd and get the benefit of the doubt. He would get the benefit of the doubt. And I think Patterson, Patterson and Ward get the benefit of the doubt because Ward scored against Arsenal and Patterson is, is you know, playing out of position and doing a good job. Um, and I think those players who do tend to chase things down do get the benefit of the doubt. And I do think they get the kind of appreciation of the crowd because they see, you know, the, the perception is they are working harder. But I just, I just think Zahor de- deserves another go. And I just think the sooner we get him in the team and coming off the bench and, you know, because I think once you've had Patterson playing for 60 to 70 minutes, bringing on someone like Zahor against a tired defence will be a boon for us because he's quick, he's strong and he can take players on when he wants to. And I think... If we if we can bring him on for twenty minutes, half an hour here and there, and get him playing the right way, then I think he'll get goals. Yeah, I agree. So obviously, the next five games: Southampton at home, Watford away, United at home, Crystal Palace away, Leicester City away. Uh-huh. There's points to be had there. Yeah, I think so. And I think I came. You know, when I went to the the Wolves game on Friday, I looked at the next three games, which was obviously Wolves, West Ham, and this one coming up against Southampton. I thought five points would be nice. Six points would be brilliant. And we're on course for that. So I think if we get a win on Saturday, then I think we're going into the next four games. And I do think there's probably, if we were to take another six points out of 12 from the next um, four games after after Saturday, you know, that's perhaps a win against um, a win against Palace and a, a win against United, hopefully, um, then I think we'd be in really good shape. I, I don't I don't think that's unrealistic either. Like you say, there's points to be had. I don't think, you know, Watford are going to be without Kapuwe, I think, because he's out, um, unless they had the ban rescinded. I haven't really kept up with the football news this week. Um, who's been key to their their success this year? And I think they're not, they're good, but they're not they're not unbeatable. And the same with Leicester, really. I think we, 
we played them in obviously that, you know, the game after the, the, the tragic death of, of their chairman. I think it, we were kind of overawed by the atmosphere a little bit and they, yeah, they took yeah. advantage of that. And I think going to Leicester with, you know, a bigger way following on our side after Christmas, I think there's, there's, a, there's some points there to be had as well. Definitely. One last thing, Ben. What's your score prediction for Saturday? I think we're going to win 3-1. Perfect. Fingers crossed. I'm going to say Murphy goal, Patterson goal and a Morrison header. He's due a goal, isn't he? He is, yeah. He's been he's been so threatening from set pieces without, without yeah, really getting anything on goal in a way. Against Wolves, it was his header that caught led to Gunnarsson's goal and his chest down to Bobby Reid that led to Hoylett's goal. So I think he's he's threatening. And I think it's it's about time he gets a goal. Yeah. Well, perfect. Enjoy the game on Saturday, and uh, we'll chat to you soon. You too, mate. Enjoy it. I'm getting the opposition preview from Freddie from the Ugly Inside. Hi, Freddie. Hello, mate. How's it going? Yes, not bad, thanks. How are you? Yep, not too bad. I'm feeling actually pretty pretty positive going into the weekend. It's been a miserable season so far, but um, let's assume that we've got a new manager in at the weekend. Yeah, so it's been, like I said, a big week, big week for you. Um, we're obviously recording this on Tuesday, so um, neither Cardiff nor Southampton have played their week, uh, yeah, their week games. Um, how would you reflect on the season so far? Obviously, 18th, nine points from 14 games. It's not been great, has it? No, not at all, mate. It's been totally uninspiring, unambitious, you know, totally uh, deflating, let's say, as well. And, and the style of football has been dreadful as well. Uh, it's almost sort of been a continuation of the last sort of two years, a cumulative uh, sort of accumulation of, uh, you know, various different philosophies passed through Puel, Pellegrino, and it's kind of just trickled through to Mark Hughes. And I think it also comes down to some of the bad habits that the players are still stuck in. Um, you know, Mark Hughes gave us the the, the bounce, gave us the feel good factor at the end of last season, winning a course down at your local rivals, mm-hmm. keeping us up. So that was a brilliant day for us. But since then, the feel good factor has well and truly diminished. Has it has it come as a surprise to you? Obviously, I think that what well, first of all when Hughes was appointed, I think a lot of people were surprised, probably Southampton fans included. Um, I know a lot of Stoke fans were quite vocal in against Mark Hughes is it come as a surprise that after 14 games you realize he's actually not the man for you well it's it's not just 14 games I think it's 22 in total and I mean the statistics don't lie he's currently he leaves as the worst manager in Saints recent history with the lowest win percentage of I think it's 18 percent which is worse than some of our dreadful managers that sort of flirted with relegation in the 1990s. But, you know, the statistics are there. They're damning. And, you know, I, I think it's it's totally expected. Um, it's just a matter of time until it did happen. Um, and, you know, I think uh, we're all expecting it to happen, but perhaps not so much straight after Saturday because it was a, you know, it was a, a gutsy performance against Man United. And often when you do get a point against those, you know, you sort, you sort of buy yourself a little bit of time. But it seems like... Um, the backroom staff and the board have already got this bloke lined up uh, to be replaced very quickly. And that's ultimately what we needed to happen. We needed a replacement as soon as possible. Otherwise, we could find ourselves rock bottom at Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I watched that, the 2-2 the draw with United. And I have to say, if, when I was watching that, if I thought any manager was going to get sacked, it would have been Mourinho. But obviously, Hughes has gone. Um, yeah. It's been a tough few years for Southampton on the whole, hasn't it? Obviously, Pochettino left in May 2014 and... Uh, Kuman was his successor, and I think he did pretty well, didn't he? But since mm. then, it's it's been downhill, hasn't it? And obviously, you've sold a lot of your best players, and 
I know a lot of people outside of Southampton have an opinion on that and, you know, will say you can't keep selling the best players and stuff like that. But within Southampton, within the fan base, how is that viewed? What, is, what impact has that had on the club, do you think? Uh, well, it's become tiresome, mate. Uh, to be honest, you know, we, we got so we got away with it for so long, uh, you know, sort of replacing these players with, you know, perhaps better quality players. But it seems like the conveyor belt, you know, we, we, we've we've got this famed quote sort of black box in the academy and in training ground that sort of scout these players from, you know, the obscurity of Europe. You know, we've uncovered the likes of Sadio Mane, you know, Dusan Tadic, you know, quite a few great players that have gone on to leave us. But I think it comes down to the recruitment also. Um, you know, our, our recent sort of uh, technical director, Les Reed, director of football, you know, he's he's recently been sacked because the recruitment has been not up to scratch. You know, uh, the the players uh, have been inadequate, you know, and it's only so long we can get away with, you know, stripping our best assets without adequate replacements. And I think eventually it's come to bite us in the backside. You know, two... Three wonderful seasons with Pochettino, Kuman, continuous progression. You know, you could say to some extent, Claude Powell, you know, some people say uh, eighth place and a cup final. What a season. But, you know, you, you weren't there. It was absolutely awful football <laughs> and it didn't improve under Pellegrino. So it, perhaps it's, I don't know, I hate to say it, but a little bit of karma maybe. Yeah, and obviously you've got the new new man lined up. You seem to have had him in mind already. Um so it's Ralph Hassan Hootel. Um, mm-hmm. I think I got that pronunciation better than when we record in uh, recording your your podcast. Well um, done. <laughs> so obviously he's the former Leipzig manager. Um, first of all, obviously, what's your thoughts on on him? Oh yeah, absolutely positive, mate. Uh, you know, I start to feel goosebumps the more we sort of talk about it and the more I research into it. You know, this is an exciting, ambitious, you know, inspiring manager. Almost everything that Mark Hughes is or isn't. Should I say, yeah. uh, you know, uh, wonderful seasons with uh, RB Leipzig, uh, promoted to the Bundesliga in his first season, uh, got them to second, only behind Bayern Munich, was taking the, the the league by storm. You know, wonderful uh, campaign in the Champions League, uh, Europa League that season. I think might be getting some statistics wrong, but he led them to the Champions League, uh, and it's the it's the approach, the high energy, high pressing. Uh, it's what we sort of, what we're sort of craving for. We 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 done yeah. that whilst we were under. Puman and Pochettino, and we'd love to see it back. Yeah, I mean, when I was reading a bit about him, there's two things that that stood out to me. One was that he actually chose or requested to terminate his contract with Leipzig, and mm. I think that's that's obviously a plus that they didn't want to get rid of him. They wanted to keep him, so he must have been doing a good job at you know a, a, a growing club and a club, I suppose, a similar size and ambitions to Southampton. Obviously, probably they've got a bit more um, money with Red Bull behind them. And the second thing that stood out was was his nickname as the Alpen Klopp, yeah. um, which obviously Klopp's sort of taken the Premier League by storm with his attack in football. And obviously, if he can bring bring that to Southampton, it's it's only going to look up for you, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, apparently uh, Klopp and Hassan Hootel, they were in the same coaching uh, qualifications. So, you know, they trained together, they coached together. So there's a lot of qualities that you can reflect back to Hassan Hootel. Um, as an and there's going to be a time and day that I'm going to try and get that wrong. It's just a, it's a tongue twister waiting to happen, you know. But uh, you know, I'm I'm really starting to get excited about this uh, this this coach coming in, uh, and and finally, you know, you could say the feel good factors coming back, uh, and actually, we're we're looking forward to to enjoy some football again and, and enjoy actually going to the football because over the last 12 months, 18 months, it's been tumultuous. It's been terrible to watch, you know, defeat after defeat. 
uh, you know, poor performance after poor, poor performance. And, you know, ultimately, hopefully he brings the good times back. Yeah, that's really important. Is I mean, we as Cardiff fans can sympathise with that. Obviously, before Warnock came in, we had Russell Slade and, and Paul Trollope and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who were just the Slade in particular and just negative, boring football. And it really, as much as you always love your club and you'll always support and always root for them, it just makes it a bit tiresome and, and, and takes the, the excitement away from it. And that makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, as fans, we crave to we crave for success. We crave for in- entertainment. We crave for you know enjoyment going to the football game. We we pay hard earned money to watch the football, and you know, over the last uh, two years for us, especially for Southampton, we've been bitterly disappointed, bitterly underwhelmed. And you know, uh, the more we talk about this bloke, uh, the more I'm excited, and actually, uh, uh, the more I'm energized about our season. You know, should uh, should Mark Hughes go into this weekend? Um, we would have thought if we lose to Cardiff, I think that's us down already. You know, already saying that depressing yeah. in December, but it, I'm, I'm glad that they've, they've changed it at this time because it gives us uh, more of a chance to turn it around. I mean, they left it far too late last season. You know, at the point in their return in uh, March, you know, uh, Mark Hughes came in and, and done sort of the basics that he needed to do. Really, we only relied on three worst teams to keep us up last season. Mm. Obviously, this season you've, you've already lost uh, two of last season's promoted teams, Fulham 3-2 and Wolves 2-0. Um, mm-hmm. wh- why do you think you've struggled against the promoted sides? Is it is it more uh, Hughes's style and pragmatic approach? Uh, well, it's anti-pragmatic, I suppose. It's uh, anti-football, uh, but not so much as a uh, sort of Neil Warnock's long ball football. I think, uh, you know, Mark Hughes, I suppose that sometimes it's been a little bit progressive, uh, but the results aren't there. We we can't defend. We can't score. You know, perhaps we're over reliant on Danny Ings. Of course, he's going to get injured. He's a doubt for the weekend too. Um, you know, the defenders literally with a bible full of sort of mistakes over the last you know twelve months or so. And really, Mark Hughes uh, hasn't sort of addressed that. Um, you know, we've conceded so many goals, and uh, you know, it's it's depressing. You know, to to expect to 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 lose by two or three. Um, uh, to to promote its sides as well. Um, I think we we needed more ambition, uh, and and we, this is a chance for us to sort of turn the tables. Uh, and as and you know, I'm sort of glad to see the back of Mark Hughes, if I'm honest. We look forward to, to Saturday's game. Who who are the danger men? Also, you mentioned Danny Ings, but there's there's a question over his fitness. So who who else will Cardiff look out for? Uh, so there's a couple of doubts over fitness, actually. For the Wednesday game, uh, it's likely that we, we were going to miss uh, Bertrand, Target, both sort of out. Uh, Bertrand's got a little bit of an injury. Target's out with concussion. Uh, who else are we missing? We're missing quite a few. So we've seen a couple of young lads come through the academy to make their appearances over the last few weeks. Obafemi, a striker, young player, who's also a doubt, actually, for the for Wednesday. I thought he so looked he really met- good against United. Yeah, he was. He's a, a raw sort of, uh, you know, direct striker. Nippy gets in between the lines. I think he's about five foot nothing, but he's he's totally an unknown quantity. And it's only a matter of time that he puts the ball in the back of net. He's had a couple of really good chances, and you know, if you've got some sluggish defenders, Obafemi could be the one to sort of break the lines. Um, you can, you know, obviously we've got Nathan Redmond on the left wing, who you know had a, a fair start to the season, improved. Uh, and, and he looks sort of a different player, but he's, he's sort of fizzled out a little bit. But the main man for me is the bloke in the middle, recently been wearing um, the armband, and that's Pierre Mohoyberg. 
the Danish sort of midfielder has sort of uh, found himself back into the international side after some really good performances, wears his heart on his sleeves. You know, he crunches into tackles, screams at his defenders, his, his, his teammates, and that's everything that we, that we want from a captain. Yeah. Uh, and Hoiberg would be the man to sort of look out for for me. And one last thing, obviously, Hassan Hootel should be in with him by the weekend. Um, do you expect to see a new manager bounce? And if so, what do you think the score will be? Well, I do hope so. Um, you know, before the weekend, I, I would have taken a point away at Cardiff, uh, you know, if Mark Hughes is going up there. Uh, I would hope for a new manager bounce and I'd love to take three points. Uh, but my only fear is that uh, the new coach is only going to have one day really to sort of train with the players and that'll be Friday. So is that going to be enough time for him to implement his ideas? Uh, it might be a bit of a culture shock. So I don't know. I think, I th- I think I'll go for an anticlimax and a 1-1, mate. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us. Hey, um, where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, cheers for uh, cheers for uh, bringing me on. Uh, yeah, you can find us uh, the Ugly Inside on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and over on sort of iTunes and Spotify for our podcast as well, mate. Perfect. Thank you very much, and uh, hopefully not too much luck for you on Saturday. All right, thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to View from the Ninian. We're for fans by fans. You can catch more content like this at viewfromtheninian.com. And let us know what you think. We're on Facebook and on Twitter. Come on, City!